Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, lovelies. Today, I'm feeling pretty stoked about the thing I get to talk to you about because I have a hunch it will be really encouraging for a lot of you. Um, We're going to talk today in episode 13 about the question, do you have to know your book idea before starting book pregnancy? So I get this question a lot, especially from people who are thinking about enrolling in my courses whenever it comes up time for registration to begin. I start getting emails from people who say um, all kinds of things about whether, you know their, their lack of clarity about their book idea. And so you might be finding yourself in this position right now as well. And I just want to give you some of my kind of my take on this question and how I see it work with people who are going through the process of book pregnancy, um, whether they come in already clear on their idea or come in um, to my courses, I mean, without a clarity of idea. And what does it look like to kind of live into that, whether or not you're clear? So um, a couple things to begin. The first is just to name that um, at the time this episode is going live, I am getting very close to opening enrollment for the last time in 2018 for my introductory courses. So I have two intro courses. The first is a four-week book pregnancy planning course. Everyone starts there. It's going to lay the foundation of your book pregnancy and help you know everything you know, need to know about what's ahead, kind of what the journey looks like when it comes to your book, your voice, and your audience, and then planning your actual book pregnancy. So that's a four-week course that everybody starts with. And then following on from that is a three-month course for the first trimester that actually takes all the principles from that four-week course and starts to apply it specifically to your book You get access to me um, in a one-on-one basis um, multiple times throughout that course. You get um, group calls with your cohort. There's a lot of intensive work in the first trimester course that just takes that first four-week course so much deeper. It's really, really rich and rewarding. I love seeing the books start to come to life in that first trimester course. But the four-week book pregnancy planning course is like the very first step. So I'm opening up registration for that in the next week. Um, At the time that this podcast is going live, it's the last time that registration will open in 2018. So, And if you join us, you will actually finish your first trimester of book pregnancy before the year is done. So it's pretty exciting that these last four months of the year can be really rich and rewarding and productive on behalf of your book. And then you'll go into 2019 ready for your second trimester. So it's it's a great time to join us if you want to. So if you do want to join us after you have heard this episode, if you're kind of holding that question of, am I ready? Um, you can go to bookwifery.com slash expecting. And that is how you will find the um, option to be notified once enrollment opens. I'm going to send that registration details to that list of people first, and then um, we'll slowly roll out registration to everyone else after that. But anyway, I'd love to have you join us if you're feeling ready to take that step forward. Um, but you may be wondering, is is it time for you? And that's um, a real, real question. And we're going to talk about some different aspects to that in this episode that will help you know whether that's for you or not. And if it's not, kind of where where might you go next instead? So Okay, let's go ahead and get started. So I mentioned in 
the beginning that I get this question a lot. And so I want to kind of share with you a couple different ways that this question manifests itself. You know, do I have to know my book idea before starting officially starting my book pregnancy. Um, so I'm going to name a couple ways that that has shown itself to me with different pe- different individuals, and maybe you'll be able to recognize yourself in these. So sometimes people come to me and they say, I have multiple book ideas in me. And it's like, I don't I don't know which which one is the right one for this process right now. And is that going to be okay? Like, do I need to figure out which is the one right now? Um, and so what I find with that is, number one, it's amazing when someone is in that place, if that's, you know, and if you're in that place, that's amazing because it means you're clear that there are books there. That The question isn't, am I pregnant with a book? It's, I am pregnant with many books and I don't quite know where to start. And so how do I even begin? And so... Um, that's taken a couple different forms when people have come into the courses with me. Sometimes it's just a matter of us sitting in some discernment space as part of the um, group calls that happen every week during the four-week planning course. Um, take some time as one of the during one of those group calls, maybe taking some time with an individual to do a little bit of discernment work with them um, to help them kind of sift through the different possibilities they're holding and notice together what seems to be most alive, which one seems to be most present. Um, For other folks, it's maybe a little bit more of a personal journey that they're taking as they work through the material. Maybe they're emailing with me back and forth one-to-one through the course and starting, you know, just sharing what they're noticing as they're working on the different exercises. And we are kind of helping you do some discernment work, you know, kind of on your own, in your own process. And either of those is fine. Uh, the, the main thing I want to emphasize here is that the discernment happens as you're going through the process. So you don't have to know which of your multiple ideas is the one because the process itself helps you start to clarify. And your access to, you know, your creative midwife, me, um, either through email or through the group calls is is there as well for you. Um, okay. Some some other people have come to the process and said, like, I have published a thesis or a dissertation on a particular topic already, and, you know, I don't know if this topic wants to be the book. Is this, have I already done the book? Like, that kind of thing. And so um, a lot of times what I notice with those folks is that um, the work that they did for their thesis or their dissertation project is kind of like the, um, it's like a, it's one of the building blocks of their authority on their subject matter. It's the thing that helped them know what they know. It's the thing that helped them clarify the direction that they want their life's work to go. Um, but the the work itself that they did, all of that writing and and what they published for their um, degrees, it may may not be the kind of work they want to continue doing in the world. It, it's more like this is something that I have underneath me that helps undergird my ongoing work and helps lend authority and credibility to my my kind of who I am in the world as others are interacting with me. It helps helps other people trust um trust, know that they can trust what I'm bringing because I've done a lot of background work in this area. So, um, so what's been fun for me to watch people do in this instance is start to take that great work that they did already and start to see who do they want 
this, who do they sense that this work is really meant to be benefiting now? And how does this work want to now transform or be translated into a different audience, maybe answering some different questions, things like that. So it's kind of like this jumping off point and a lot of fun that happens in the discernment process for these folks is like figuring out who that body of work is meant to serve and how to start translating it. Um, sometimes people come and they're like, I had an idea and I pursued it and I kind of ran into a wall. I, I, I thought I knew what my book was and I really worked hard on it for the last couple of years. And I've gotten to a point where like the well has dried up or I've hit a wall and there's just doesn't, doesn't seem to be life there anymore. Or maybe, you know, I was pursuing an idea, but I started to notice that, I was pursuing what I thought I should be doing or other people thought I should be doing. And I, I again, like the life is dry, drying up in that. And I, I don't think that that's what it is. So now I'm feeling kind of stuck. Like, I don't know what the idea is anymore. I don't think it's what I've been doing, but I don't know where to go from here because I've kind of pursued the avenue that I already that I, that I thought I knew. And so this is, um, this is, again, you're going to find with me, it almost always comes back to discernment, but, um, a lot of the work, the discernment work for the person in this position is starting to notice where the life is. And so, um, we would be spending time noticing what was it about the project you were doing that caused it to dry up? Like what created that deadness or that stuckness or that running into a wall feeling? Um, if, you're if you're running into a wall because it's just not your path and like there was a dead end there <laughs> it, it truly wasn't a path for you to follow because there was a dead end there um, or because it was someone else's path for you um, it's it's gonna be there's there's some exercises in the first four week course that allow you start to start to get more in touch with your sense of mission and um, kind of like your body of work and just as you work through those exercises, that's going to be a really important moment for you to start to kind of tune in doing that kind of inner inner tuning to what is your sense of call? What do you feel really drawn to offer the world getting clear on the light that you bear and um, starting to explore what it could be like to 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 further work in service of that. So, um, yeah, and then I guess the last example I would give is someone who is coming to me and saying like, I'm still trying to figure out that major theme or idea or message of my life's work. I don't know how I would name my light that I have to bear in the world, um, the healing work that I'm here to do. And so, um, so I hope you've heard by now through these examples that there's a real element of ongoing discernment and clarity that comes through the process. So it's okay that you don't aren't able to name that right now. But one thing I will say, and I'll, I'll unpack this a little bit more later in the episode, is that it is important for you to be clear that you are pregnant with a book itself. Even if you aren't, aren't able to name it, you don't know what exactly it's going to look like. Um, you don't have it all like visualized in your mind. Um, and I'll just say like for the record, most people don't when they get started. Um, like the important thing is for you to first get clear on whether there is a book there and that this is the time that it wants to start coming to life. So if you are the person who's saying like, I'm still figuring out my major, you know, core life message, my, my work that's mine to do. Um, it might be the case that you are, you have it, but it's like 
all wrapped up in a bunch of different things that need to be distilled, and that can totally be fine to take into the book pregnancy process. But if you're in a place right now where you're like, I don't even know what my life's work is. I've been kind of working on autopilot for most of my my life or or I've been swept up in other concerns because of necessity or essentialism and um, I've been needing to kind of tend over here and I'm coming to a place now where I want to get really clear on who I am in the world and what I'm here to do and this is like the beginning of a new journey. I would guess that right now you're not yet ready for book pregnancy, but you may very much be ready for just some clarity around who you are and the light that you bear. And in that case, um, you know, I, it's like, I actually, now I'm talking about this. I wish I'd come into this episode with some resources to direct you toward. Um, but one thing I will say is that I am very open to having a conversation with you. If that's the case. Um, I mentioned just recently that I've opened up some slots, at least temporarily in my calendar for some one-on-one discernment work with people. And that can be around book pregnancy, but it can also be around clarifying this question of your, your work in the world, your light that you bear, kind of what are you here to do, your life message. Not that that can all be summed up in one 45-minute session, but but that I am very interested in, in having conversations with folks who are trying to get clear on that light that they're carrying inside of them and what their work in the world is to do that may eventually lead to a book pregnancy or may not. But, you know, it's really important to me that those who are in our acting with bookwifery here are um, people who are aware that there is a light in there and they want to get clear on what it is so they can keep holding it up and um, presenting it outward. And whether that leads to a book or not, it's healing work that we're here to do in the world no matter what. So you're welcome to go to my website, um, bookwifery.com slash discernment dash session. And I'll just tell you, I'll go ahead and put the link also on the show notes page for this so that you don't have to remember that URL. But, um, yeah, if you're interested in doing a discernment, discernment session with me around kind of getting clearer and clearer on your, your work in your light that you bear. Okay, so that's kind of like some examples of what it can be looking like for people to hold the question of like, I think I'm pregnant with a book, or um, but I don't know what the idea is, and can I move forward into book pregnancy? So, um, so my answer to the question, you know, do I have to know my book idea before starting book pregnancy? My short answer to that question is no. You don't have to know what your book is going to be. And we're going to unpack that in this episode of why I believe that. Um, before we go in that direction, I do want to show showcase for you what it can look like for people to come into the book pregnancy process with some clarity and, um, you know, what even even coming into book pregnancy with some clarity about your book. Um, I, I want I hope to demonstrate to you that 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 also still leads to a continued unfolding and a continued discernment. Um, So here's some examples of that. I have worked with folks who came into their book pregnancy with kind of a basic concept of what they what they were intending to do with their book. So even the first three people that I ever worked with in a bookwifery kind of way, the three people who eventually led to the formation of bookwifery as an entity in the world, um, I, I think about the three of them and they all started with a basic concept. 
for Jan Richardson, um, one of the first people I worked with, um, her concept was it's going to be a book of blessings. Um, for Christine Mason Miller, hers was, I know I'm supposed to write a book about my family. And for Becky Eldridge, it was, I am going to be writing a book about prayer. Like literally the three of them each in their own time and place said those words to me. And they didn't know, they knew the book was there. They knew the time was now to start working on it, but they didn't have more than a concept or maybe they had some ideas, some general ideas floating around, or maybe they had gathered up some materials from retreats that they led or some writings that they'd done, but they didn't have any sense of clarity of like, what is that book of blessings going to include? Or what does it mean to write a book about prayer? Or if I write a book about my family, what what is that? <laughs> so, so the, here's these three incredible writers who have messages, who have work that they're legitimate, beautiful work they're doing in the world. Knew that it was time to work on a new book project, but and had a concept. They moved through the book pregnancy, and it became clearer and clearer as they went and as they started doing the work. Other folks I've worked with through the bookwifery process, either in process right now or we've already gone through the whole process together, um, have come to me saying, you know, I have a metaphor for what I want to write about. Like I have a topic and then I also have this kind of metaphor that's going to go with it. Like one of the people I worked with used the metaphor of music. And so every concept that she was going to include in her book was going to correlate to some musical aspect. And another person I'm working with right now has a concept, but she also has the metaphor of dancing to go with it. So every every chapter of her book that she's envisioning has a certain kind of dance move that goes with it and is kind of a, a metaphor that goes throughout the whole book. So even there, it's like you have someone who has a concept and a metaphor, and there's like this rich um, synergy between the two of them that they're coming into book pregnancy with. And that's still, it still is something that is going to be unfolding. It's like getting clear on, I guess what I want to say is like, Having a concept and having a metaphor in and of themselves are not a book. And so even with those things kind of under your arms and coming into the process with, there's still so much to unpack. Um, and so each of them have had to really work with the ideas and say, oh, okay, so I've made these kind of analogies between these different steps and these different metaphors, but now I need to like actually write about that and see how to actually language that and communicate that and, and create some sense from that for the reader. Other folks come to the process and they already have an outline. You know, they, they've they've kind of built out the skeleton of their book and it's like, okay, um, these are all the major ideas. This is the order in which they're going. And, and at some point um, in the first trimester, that actually is a part of the process is, is starting to do all of that. So some people come to book, pregnancy, book pregnancy and they already have that done. Um, and so what, you know, what I love for that person is that they have a sense of the big chunks in their idea and a sense of the flow because they've put it into an order. But here I would say again that an outline in and of itself is not a book. It still needs to grow into a book. A, an outline is basically um, kind of at its you know barest form is like the table of contents and on one page at the front of the book. But then there's like 
200 pages that follow that actually unpack that outline, right? And um, so the, the, the outline could be considered like a map of what's to come. It could be considered a skeleton, um, but it doesn't have flesh. It doesn't have organs. It doesn't have any fine details yet. It's just kind of this bare bones skeleton. So even in the case where someone comes to book pregnancy and says, I have an outline for the book, there's still so much to be fleshed out, literally hundreds of pages. <laughs> and so um, and so I guess what I want to say is that all of it still needs to be filled in, no matter whether you have a concept already, no matter whether you have kind of a, an analogy or a metaphor that you're going to use to kind of ground the work, um, or even if you have an outline and a sense of kind of the big chunks and the flow, there's, there's so much still to be filled in, there's still so much to be discovered, and and even these folks who come with those things are looking at their book project and thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much still to be done and to, to learn and to figure out. So I, I guess what I want to say is that everyone comes to book pregnancy with a sense of um, gra gra the gravity of what's before them and kind of the, the bigness of it. Um, there's a sense of holy awe, um, an awareness of the mystery, and uh, some fear and trembling. Um, and also, I think what I want to say, what I do want to say is that everyone that I just named that had like a concept or a metaphor or an outline, they at some point before they had those things were where you are now, where you're like, I don't even know what the concept would be. I don't even know what the seed of the idea is. I don't even know what a grounding metaphor might be. Um, I don't have any clue yet about an outline. Um, so they too, like back it up, back it up, back it up. They had to start where you are now where they didn't know either what those things were. And so all of it is a process that continues to unfold and like living through the the actual process and starting to do the work of it is what starts to lay down the tracks, um, what starts to create the clarity, like the process itself creates the clarity, <laughs> doing the actual work, because otherwise it's just a concept in your head, it's just an idea, it's just a possibility in your head, and there's, there's nothing, like a book cannot come to be without bringing something out of your head onto the page and starting to do the actual work of working with the material that's there um, and actually putting the material there. So as kind of a funny example, um, but I think it's relevant, is the movie The Social Network. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's the, the story of Facebook, basically, um, and Mark Zuckerberg and the kind of the underlying story that the, the, the story that frames the rest of the story of the movie is this lawsuit that's happening between these two brothers who had, you know, made this agreement with Mark Zuckerberg that he would build out this social network for them. And what he ended up doing was building out his own idea for a social network that eventually became Facebook. And it started out as like kind of a a small project just on Harvard's campus, and it eventually grew to other campuses. And then it eventually became open to, you know, normal people and um, beyond college campuses. And then it eventually became open to the world. And, you know, they basically took him to court for stealing their idea. And he may have been guilty of stealing their idea. But what is important to notice is that an idea in and of itself is not a thing. What makes a thing is the actual work and the, the process that goes into it. So um, while they had a seed of an idea of creating a social network, it was Mark Zuckerberg who actually put things 
into process and started to work with the coding and the networking. And um, and then as it was rolling out, started to learn from the data and the users and, and started to make changes and tweaks. And it, like as Facebook started to exist, Facebook started to teach Zuckerberg and his team of people what Facebook wanted to become. And so that continued to shape what they were doing with it. And it was like there was this back and forth going on where they were creating something and the thing they created as it was in the world started to teach them. And so then they were kept kind of like the cyclical thing was happening. And so I guess what I'm saying is that it's the actual work of doing something that starts to teach you what the thing is and starts to bring it to life. It's not the idea itself. And everyone has to start with idea and everyone has to start moving into the actual work. So it's a matter of actually beginning the work that is going to help you know what the book is becoming. So all of that means now I want to shift to you. If you don't know your book idea, here's my encouragement to you. All pregnancies start in the dark and without form. Every pregnancy starts in the dark and does not have any form at the beginning. And it is only over the weeks and the months and the trimesters that the form takes greater and greater shape. So even if we're speaking of human pregnancy, when, when a woman goes in for her ultrasound, you know, at 10 weeks, at 20 weeks, at, you know, 30 weeks, 38 weeks, um, the, the ability to see even the shape of what is growing inside of her gets clearer and clearer over time. So, you know, and, and you've seen, I'm sure the, (laughs) the different little drawings of like what the shape of what the shape of the being is inside of you at certain phases of, of pregnancy. It's like, there's not a clear shape for a really long time. And that's the nature of the thing. It It isn't meant to have more shape at the beginning than it does. It's meant to have the shape that it does this, this kind of, shapelessness that but but in um in the seed of that being there is the potential of what it can become and um it has this innate wisdom in itself to grow into a form and as it it takes the course it's meant to take it's um it it becomes and so for a while it can be barely seen but eventually, if it's allowed to continue working the process that is kind of inherent to it, it will start to become itself. Um, it will have your DNA. Um, when we think about it as a book, like the book has your DNA in it because you are, you know, giving life to it. It's coming from you. It's connected to you. It's half, you know, half of you. <laughs> um, you are holding it inside of it. You are growing it. You are nourishing it. You are also giving it your own genetic code, but it has its own innate wisdom as well that is contributing to the process. And, you know, depending on your um, theological ideas, another way of, of thinking about it too is that God too is loving it into life. And so there's kind of this um, beautiful relationship that's happening as you are um, holding the book and doing your part as the parent of the book. And you are allowing the book to, as it takes shape, start to teach you more about what it looks like, what it feels like, what, what its size is, what its shape is, what its features are. Um, and then trusting to the divine, um, breath inside of it as well. So the process creates the form. 
So um, speaking just in book Wifery language, once you get into the first trimester, um, you start working with all kinds of prompts and exercises and questions that are helping you all along the way learn, clarify, grow in you the knowledge of what the book wants to be and who you as the parent of the book are becoming too. So there's this whole like built in process that allows you to work with these questions and these prompts and these exercises that all along the way are helping you learn what the book is wanting to become. So, um, some of the ways that looks, it's like you learn by comparison. Um, you like one of the exercises is starting to look for comparative titles and that are already in the conversation space. And, you know, so you might be looking on Amazon or going to a bookstore and, you know, noticing your response to what's already there. Noticing your response is like a big part of the process of starting to learn more and more about your own book because you're noticing negative responses you're having to what you're finding. You're noticing positive responses. And those are teaching you about your own, you know, inherent wisdom, your own inherent um, offering because, because of what you're seeing. So paying attention to your responses is a big part of that. Um, I, you know, one way of saying it is like the, the via negativa and the via positiva. So like your negative responses and your positive responses are worth noticing to help you help teach you what something wants to be. I was having a conversation with my husband Kirk yesterday, and we were talking about some emails he's been getting in his inbox recently that are basically sales emails for some courses. And he was getting really agitated about some of them. And, um, he's like, I wish I wasn't so agitated by this. And I was like, I think it's really interesting that you're agitated because your agitation is teaching you a lot about what matters to you (laughs) because something about what is coming through, through these emails is, um, not resonating with you. It's, um, it's bumping up against something related to probably your value system. And um, by paying attention to what agitates you, it can teach you a lot about what's important to you. And obviously, you're not seeing that met in these emails. Or for you, if you were doing the exercise of starting to do research of other books in the marketplace, um, you may feel agitated at the ways that others are not quite hitting the mark of what you think is important to be said. That's important to pay attention to because it's teaching you what is important to you to be said. Okay, so you can learn by comparison. Another thing you can do is you start to learn by um, dreaming and imagining um, your work in the world a little bit more, getting more more, um, concrete about it. So um, noticing your energy, noticing your interests, noticing your way of being, and all of this is teaching you a little bit more about who you're becoming in the world. So this is connected to audience questions. So, you know, um, the first piece that I talked about with learning by comparison is probably a little bit about learning your voice. Um, what is it that you feel is important to bring to the conversation? What do you want to be sure is said or not said? Um, this piece about um, when you start to do some exercises related to dreaming and imagining the kinds of things you could be doing in the world beyond the book to connect with your audience, um, noticing your energy patterns, noticing your interests, how you want to show up, all of this is helping you better learn who you're becoming, what you have to offer, how you want to connect with people, what you want to give them. This is further clarifying for you your work. 
Another thing we do in the first trimester that teaches you this is learning by the idea dumps. Once we finally get to the point where we're working on the actual book module in the course, and it's the last last module of the course, um, we spend a, a good amount of time in that last module. And it's like, there's all these prompts that are asking you to like, just dump out all of your ideas related to like, what's what's here. And it's basically like dumping out a jigsaw puzzle. It's like all the pieces, get them on the table, start turning them over. And then you start to kind of sift through them and find the edges and put them in a pile over here and find all the orange pieces and put them over here. And all the blue pieces or sky pieces over here. And it's like, start working on sections at a time. It's like, there's a little bit of that feel to it going on in the first trimester where you're starting to just like dump out all the ideas. And then you start to sift through them and see what's there and start to create some order and some sense. Um, so this process also, you know, clarifies the ideas, helps you know what's there. <laughs> so, and and then the last thing I'll say is that along the way, as you are continuing to um, connect with your audience and start to lean into them and offer, you know, offer your value and with some greater intentionality, you're going to be learning from them as well, more and more about the book and your work in the world, because you're going to put things out there and people are going to respond to them. And you're going to maybe sometimes be surprised at what really resonates or what doesn't resonate or what questions people have that you didn't realize they needed answers for. Um, And so engaging with your audience itself, will teach you more and more about the book and also more overarchingly about who you are in the world. So I think what I'm, I know what I'm trying to communicate to you is that the discernment is ongoing. When I talk about how everything comes back to discernment in this process, at least the way that I offer it and work through authors with on it is that there's the discernment. It's the discernment of whether you're pregnant with a book at all. Um, there's the discernment of, you know, what is the light that you bear? What is that message? There's the discernment of like all these parts of clarifying your book, your voice, and your audience, all of these different exercises and questions and prompts that help you get clearer and clearer and clearer on your work, but also the book itself. So what's really fun too is, um, you know, the, just an example of how this happens over time. Um, I've got folks in my relatively new second trimester course that I just started in July, took some, a first group of people into the course in July. Um, a lot of them, I've been watching some of them go back to the work they did in the first trimester, um, partially to just kind of get their heads back in the game. Um, and get clear on like what was the work they did so they know what their jumping off point is. But some of them are finding that as they've been revisiting the work of the first trimester, they are starting to change some of that work around based on what they've continued to learn is true about their project. And so I think it's just that the more you grow in your book pregnancy, the clearer and clearer you get about what that book pregnancy even is. And that, you know, even if you have to redo some work that you did in the beginning, it's it's because there's evidence of growth. It's because clarity has come. And so uh, it's kind of an exciting moment to, to go back and like redo some of that work because it means that your path forward is even more clear. So um, let's see. One thing I want to do before we kind of move into next steps for you is I want to give you an example of what this has looked like for a specific person who's given me permission to share her story with you. Um, I have one of my 
one of the authors that I'm working with and who is in her second trimester now is a woman named Alyssa Ackerman. And Alyssa is an incredible individual. I'm going to link her up in the show notes at bookwifery.com slash podcast. If you go to episode 13, you can find Alyssa's um, website linked there, and that will give you kind of access to her Facebook page and her Instagram and other things that her blog posts, things that she's doing. Um, But this is a woman who... um, came to the bookwifery process back in January. And when she entered in the process, she knew she was pregnant with a book. She's actually published, I think, five other books prior, but they were all in the academic textbook kind of um, venue. And right now she's in the process of making a transition to writing for a mainstream audience. And so she wanted to go through this process because she wasn't sure how to make that transition. And she wanted a process that would help her kind of support her as she started to work through what does a book written for a mainstream audience in my subject matter area look like? So here's Alyssa's background. She has a PhD in criminal justice. She is one of the few sex crimes policy experts in the U.S. Um, She is also a survivor herself of sexual violence, and she does a lot of work in the area of what she calls restorative justice. And so basically, Alyssa's expertise is vast in the area of, um, I guess, working with people and with policy related to sexual violence. And she has both a personal connection to that topic, but she has many, many years of working in an academic setting with that in terms of getting her PhD. She teaches at the university level. She's written multiple academic texts about this. She helps inform policy. Um, And so there's all of this kind of background that has given her her sense of like her body of work in the world that we talk about a lot. Um, And she knew that she wanted to go mainstream with this next book, but she didn't know really what that meant because just getting a sense of her body of work in the world, her book could go so many different directions. Um, One question that she held as she has gone through this process is, you know, is this book meant to teach restorative justice principles to the culture at large? Um, The Me Too movement has been going on, as I'm sure you're aware. And, you know, the restorative justice idea is that um, it's not about ostracizing um, the victim of... um, sexual violence and the uh, person who has committed sexual violence from each other, or it's not about casting out the, the quote unquote perpetrator. It's about trying to create healing on both sides. And that's really brave, courageous work. And it's very, um, it's not given as much of a platform in the current conversation. And so, you know, one approach to her book could be entering the me too conversation very timely and writing about what restorative justice in the Me Too conversation could look like and and why we might need it. Um, she could write a book about that speaks directly to survivors about how to heal. Um, she could write a book. So, okay, so that first book idea I told you was more like um, a very timely entrance into the conversation that's happening around the Me Too movement. Um, another Another approach I just named is that she could write a book to survivors directly. Another book could be that she writes a book to 
um, survivors and those who have committed sexual violence. And so she's writing to the actual people involved in these kinds of experiences and teaching them about restorative justice. Um, so it's like there's these multiple potential audiences, right? There's the people that have been involved that she wants to teach principles of restorative living and restorative justice and healing. Uh, there's people who are just survivors, as she herself is, and she could just talk to them about healing. And then there's this culture at large, you know, it's like mainstream. You know, it's kind of like how Brene Brown has broadened the conversation for all of us about vulnerability, connection, and shame. And she's she's taken it out of an academic setting, even though she has this academic background and this research background, and she's helped all of us learn from it what what can benefit all of us and kind of elevate humanity. So Alyssa has been sitting with these questions this year, working with the materials, working through her book pregnancy, and every step of the way, she's gotten clearer and clearer on what is her contribution at this point in time. Um, another aspect that came up in, in this work for her, this discernment work for her, is her faith component. Um, she's a Jewish woman. She Her faith is very important to her. It's always been immensely private. And she had some moments in the last six months of noticing um, how hard it is for her to bring her faith into the conversation of this other body of work that she's a part of. And that was starting to not sit well with her anymore. But she, again, didn't know how to talk about it in a public way, in the same way that she wasn't yet sure how to translate the academics into the mainstream conversation or like just the, you know, straightforward, straightforward individual make, making sure she can talk to them rather than academics or policy experts. Um, same thing with the faith part. She's like, she wasn't quite sure how to translate that on the page, but she was noticing that leaving that out of the conversation wasn't sitting well with her. It felt like it wasn't going to give a full picture. And so I think what I'm trying to show for you here is that here is someone who has a body of work, who has authority, who has something to contribute, um, a new perspective, a necessary perspective, and yet still came into the, the project with a lot of questions and a lot of possibilities. And her clarity has come over the last six months as she's continued to lean into the process and start to notice what she noticed and ask the discernment questions and pay attention to what comes up and the resistances and the things that aren't sitting quite right. And all of that has helped confirm for her the book that she actually is writing now. And I think she would say the books she's writing now are for people who are survivors of sex sexual violence, teaching them about the importance of community and connection from a, faith, a Jewish faith perspective. And so it's a very specific book, um, but it's going to be a book that helps and heals um, and that contributes something really important to the conversation. And knowing that it leaves the door open for future books that may touch on these other aspects of it, because they all circle around the same body of work. Um, they all have a slightly different message and a slightly different audience. And it's really getting clear for her and for you who is the audience right now that you're really meant to serve? What is the message right now that you have to give? Um, what is it that wants to be born in you right now? And you can have other other books that come to life later that support the work too. It's, it's getting clear on what the work is right now. And that's what the process helps you get clearer and clearer on as you do discernment. So the answer to the question do you need to know your book idea before you begin book pregnancy? I hope you have seen the answer to that question is no. 
What you do have to know is whether you are in fact pregnant with a book at all. So book pregnancy is a process. Um, I hope I've shown here that the book takes shape over time through the process, through the work, um, through the ongoing discernment of what's being born. Um, But book pregnancy itself, whether you're pregnant with a book at all, um, is it one that actually wants to come to life right now? That's the question you need to start with first. So I will direct you back to episodes two and three of the podcast to do that preliminary discernment work about whether you're pregnant with a book at all. Um, I'll link those up in the show notes, but it's episodes two and three. There's also a free discernment guide that goes with those episodes um, that helps you know if you're pregnant with a book at all, but just know that it's okay for you not to know the actual topic of the book when you're starting out. That's really the message of this episode is to help you know that it's it's something that continues to unfold over time. You're not meant to know at the very beginning. And even if you know some things, there's still so much left to do to bring the book to life. Um, but the first question to start with is, are you pregnant with a book? Going back to episodes two and three, the nine questions to ask before you birth a book, the nine discernment questions, and then four factors to consider before birthing a general nonfiction book and the free discernment guide that goes with those episodes. That helps you know if you're pregnant with a book at all. Um, But if you do discover that you're pregnant with a book, even if you don't know what the topic is yet fully... um, you know the time is now. You know that something wants to come to life. I do really invite you to join us with this new cohort that's going to be starting out together in September. So um, registration will be opening in mid-August, which is next week. Um, if you want to join the notification list to be told when reg- to be the first one to know when registration opens, please go to bookwifery.com/expecting to be put on the notify list. And um, yeah, if you're listening to this later, I'm always rolling out new cohorts. It's just this is the last one for 2018, but you can certainly get on the list for the next one after that if you're coming to this later. But um, yeah, I hope you'll find your way toward joining us if the time for you is now. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.